So this morning I want to come to you from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. I think there's much that we can learn from the Old Testament prophets that applies to us even today. I'm going to be in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 4 through 13. It is in your bulletin insert, or you can follow along on whatever version of the Bible you are most comfortable with. Hear what Jeremiah writes to us this morning. He says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt? I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things. But you came and defiled my land, and my inheritance you made an abomination. The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that did not profit. Therefore, I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your sons' sons I will contend. For cross to the coastlands of Kittim and see, and send to Kedar and observe closely and see if there has been such a thing as this. Has a nation changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So as I said, I want to spend some time here in the Old Testament this morning, uh, particularly with Jeremiah, because I think there is some real practical value to us as the church today. It occurs to me that the church, our church, must be ever watchful of our pursuits going forward, of our, our mission, of our ministry, to ensure that they are always pointed in the direction of the cross of Christ. It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to look at some of the things that the world thinks are important and to allow them to encroach into the church. Our agenda should be a holy agenda. It should be set apart from the world. We should be influencing and impacting what goes on out there, not the other way around. And so no matter what the ministry focus, no matter what the special project might be, no matter what the Bible study lesson plan is, no matter what the Sunday school series is about, 
no matter what our community outreach might be, or any other endeavor that's taken on by the church, we must ensure that the ultimate goal of each and everything we do is first and foremost to honor and glorify God. To do what Scripture directs us to do. And to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our mission as the church. That's why God has ordained us as the body of Christ in motion in this community is to do what Scripture and the Word and will of God inform us to do. So let's take Jeremiah chapter 2 and let's break it down, these verses, into a couple at a time and see what God is trying to tell us today, this morning, as the church. The first two verses. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? See, God addresses the people of Judah and Israel and also the people right here at Shepherd Methodist Church with this language that is language that you might see in a court of law. He challenges us to justify our lack of faith. God asks us to come up with a reason, any reason whatsoever, any fault that we can find in Him that would justify our turning away from Him are turning to pursue the worship of false gods, false teaching, idolatry, our worship of man rather than God, our worship of the culture rather than the things of God. In so doing, God finds the people in Judah and Israel worthless as worthless as the false gods that they chose to worship. They had become what they worshipped. They had become worthless. They sought after nothingness, and they became nothing. Now, I'm here to tell you, we don't have to look very far back in our experience to see a present-day example of a whole denomination that did just that. I know that's a bold, hard statement to hear. But we are exiting like the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the darkness and into the light by the grace of God. And our experience has been that the denomination we were once a part of sought after nothingness and became nothing. Verse 6, they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelt. And God reminds us, I was the one who brought you into the fruitful land to eat of its fruit and to take part in all the good things, but you came and you defiled my land. You, the inheritance that I gave you, you made an abomination. See, God is telling us 
as he tells the people of Israel and Judah that they had no gratitude for what God had already done for them. They weren't the least bit thankful for their deliverance from Egypt. They were not at all appreciative of the God that had brought them out of bondage and darkness, out of the shadow of death and into the promised land. They just were not thankful. And so they abused what they had been given. They defiled their inheritance with sin. We need to be on guard that we don't go through the same path as the people of old, that we don't follow the same path of our former denomination, that we don't carry that attitude of unthankfulness into our new denomination. It's up to us to be the gatekeepers. Verse 8, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that didn't profit. You see, the leaders anointed over the people had rebelled against God's authority. The priests didn't seek the Lord, but pursued secular interests. The ways of the prevailing culture in the world, those whose job it was to interpret the law of God, they didn't even know God. Let alone have a relationship with His Son. The prophets were prophesying not in the name of God, but rather in the name of Baal, in the name of the prevailing culture. They were worshiping worthless idols. And Jeremiah found himself surrounded by a people who were totally apart from God. God singled out the leaders for condemnation because they had such a great influence over the people and the leaders were leading the people astray right down the path to separation from God and total destruction. And so it is today in our denomination that's soon to be their denomination and they can have it. The leaders are being held accountable by God. And I have to say that in this day and age, we only have to look as far as the leaders in our nation's capital to see that there are a people who are going to be held accountable by God because God will not be mocked. Here's the lesson. As we continue forward, we need to ensure that we don't venture down the same path. That we don't seek after those things that will separate us from the Word and will of God. Because we are what we seek. And so let us therefore seek after godly things and not the things of the world. Jeremiah says, Therefore, I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your sons' sons I will contend. See, the the decisions that we make, good or bad, carry on into our future. We have made a good decision in moving out of our former denomination and into a new one. Let us be careful. Let us be cautious. 
that we don't carry bad habits and decisions forward with us. For cross to the coastlands of Kittim and see, Jeremiah writes, and send to Gadar and observe closely and see if there has ever been such a thing as this. Has a nation ever changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. See, since the people were unable to respond with any justifiable reason against God, why they should turn away from Him, God then becomes their judge and accuser. God tells them that they have committed egregious crimes, abandoning their God like no other nation has ever done before. See, other nations who worship non-existent gods sometimes may have changed the status of a god, but they never abandoned a god. Small g. They might have added additional gods, but they never abandoned a god. And so, (coughs) Jeremiah is saying, Israel, on the other hand, who worshiped the one true living God, they abandoned him to worship worthless idols, false gods. They worship men rather than God. They worship the culture rather than God. And God challenged the people. Search far and wide, east to west, west to east, from Kittim to Kedar. Search and find me evidence of any justification, any reason, anything I that uh, the, the one true God have done that would justify your turning away from me and you will not find it. And so when nobody could find any reason why they turned away other than their disobedience, God tells them that such faithlessness should cause the heavens to be horrified. That's pretty strong language. The point is, it's serious business. What we focus on, what we do, who we are to the community that we serve needs to always stand firmly within the Word and will of God. Any ministry we do, any project, anything that we endeavor to do Does it honor and glorify God? Does it serve His people in spirit and in truth? Is it a righteous choice or is it something else? Because it's clear from Jeremiah that when a people, a church, abandons Scripture, the Word of God, it grieves God. God becomes angry. And when God becomes angry, He judges. And it's a righteous, holy judgment. No fault can be found in God for judging. For my people have committed two evils, God says. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, 
and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, in God's judgment, the people had committed two sins. They had abandoned their glory. They had thrown away. They had trashed. They had given up what made them unique and special and sanctified. They had abandoned the God who had brought them into the promised land. And they had instead embraced a worthless culture. They had idolized men instead of God. See, Jeremiah compared that decision to this exchange of a well of pure, eternally flowing water, exchanged it for a cracked cistern that could hold no water at all. And, and the people of the day, they would, they would understand this analogy, this comparison perfectly because the cisterns in Palestine, if you've ever seen them, most of them are made of this porous limestone that doesn't in and of itself hold water. And so they have to be lined with plaster in order to become uh, something that holds water. And if there is a crack in the plaster, the water leaks out and the cistern becomes dry. So Judah was committing this sin, the same sin that brought down the destruction of the people of the northern kingdom because of their idolatry. And we as a church must learn from them and ever be on our guard that we do not stray in that same way. And we have to ask ourselves the question, why would anyone in their right minds be so foolish as to trade an artesian well, an eternal well, for a broken sister? It doesn't make sense. And yet, people today, some denominations today, are doing just that. See, there are many broken cisterns today. Many pursue power and control rather than the one true God. Many seek after wealth and fame and pleasure rather than the one true God. When we seek after those things, we very often get what we seek. And just as often, those things end up being a whole lot more than we bargained for. When it all comes down to it, compared to the one true God, all those things are worthless. They're all useless. They're all deserts. They're all empty wilderness with no value. They're broken cisterns that don't hold water. And so Jeremiah warns us, don't trade the glory of God for anything. Nothing measures up. Nothing will provide like God does. Nothing will heal like God does. Nothing will redeem like God does. Because nothing begats nothing. God, on the other hand, well, God is everything. God is healer. God is redeemer. God is reconciler. God is provider. God is all in all. You are what you seek. Matthew in chapter 6 verse 33 reminds us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and all these things will be added unto you. And so as we go forward, we need to be seeking God's face. We need to be seeking the things of God. We need to be about our Father's business. Let the monkey business be up to everybody else. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me. <coughs>